Hello, fellow saints. Welcome to Saints Radio and the Voices Devotional. This is Pastor Teresa Smith from the Father's Church of Tucson in Arizona in the USA, and I'm so happy to be here with all of you. I wanted to share a few thoughts with you this morning from Colossians chapter 1. This letter from Paul and Timothy to the church at Colossae has been really impacting me, and I can't seem to get it out of my mind, so I thought I would just share some thoughts about it with you. I just think it's so relevant to our day and to our network at this time. You know, God is adding to the saints. We rejoice in the testimonies we hear and about the new saints we become acquainted with, whether we've met them in person or if we know about them from testimony or even if we've only met them on Facebook. You know, Facebook is a remarkable thing for good and for evil. But in the Saints Network, I have to say that I really enjoy the opportunity to participate in meetings via the Internet and to get to know some of our Saints family by sharing in their lives through their various posts, even if I haven't met them yet in person. And so as God brings us forward in our common purpose of expressing his will in the earth through intercession, do you notice how the agape of our father begins to spring up within you for those who are laboring alongside you, even if you haven't met them yet? In this letter to the Colossians that I want to share, I noticed how much of what Paul says to to, um the church in this letter reflects the heart that God stirs in us for our fellow saints. And there are some things I think we can learn about how to effectively pray for one another from what Paul says. I know it's a much longer passage than is usually shared for a short devotional, but let's read together from Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to be using verses 3 to 29, but I'll stop here and there in the middle. Um, So we won't read straight through, but it's really only a couple of sentences. So I'm justified because you've got to love how Paul writes these massive run on thoughts and sentences, although the breaks probably aren't there in the original language anyway, I guess. But here you go. The book of Colossians chapter one, verse three is where I'm going to start. And it says this. We give thanks to God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you as it is in all the world and brings forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. So let's stop here for a sec. First of all, notice that Paul says that we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. We give thanks to God for those who are committed to this pathway of following our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the firstborn of the anointed sons, and we follow him together. We must always pray for those who have made a commitment to remain committed 
to our Lord Jesus Christ. We need them to remain committed. We must remain committed. It is so important to pray for those who who walk alongside of us, those who labor among us, those who are our righteous armor on the right and on the left. And when did Paul say he began to pray for them? He says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have to all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that's come to you. Since we heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for the saints, we've been praying for you ever since we heard about that. Listen, folks, all it takes is a little bit of reading and listening in these days, and you will know that the very basic foundational tenet of the Christian faith, that is belief in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way of reconciliation to the Father, is being torn apart. The beginning of this passage talks about the basic gospel message. Faith in Christ Jesus is what leads us to our God and Father. This is our hope stored up in heaven. The gospel is the truth that has come to us. This passage says that when we know the grace of God in truth, then we bear fruit. We cannot let go of the basic gospel message of salvation, and we should be bearing fruit. So let's go on to verse 9. For this cause also, since the day we heard it, or we heard this news about you, We do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And why would this be? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's pray that for our fellow saints, that they may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, and that they may bear fruit in every good work and grow in the knowledge of God. That's good stuff, isn't it? In verse 11, it says, Strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. I want this, don't you? I want you to have it, that you may be strengthened with all might, not according to my power, which isn't much, but according to his glorious power, so that you can have all patience and long suffering or endurance with joyfulness. I want you to have these things and I want them too. In verse 12, it says, giving thanks unto the father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. I love this concept of being partakers of the inheritance of light. We share in this inheritance of the saints in light. It is our privilege and right as sons to to manifest His light. We bring His light into every place that we go. In Matthew 5, verse 16, remember, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We shine and it brings glory back to Him. Amazing. We are partakers of the inheritance of light. And then in Colossians 1, verse 13, where we are now, Paul goes into the reason that we are able to be partakers of this great inheritance. 
the inheritance of the saints in light. It is because God has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We are translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And then we have this amazing description of this dear son whose kingdom we are translated into when we are delivered from the power of darkness in verse 14. It starts and it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And in verse 17, it says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. I don't know about you, but that gives me such great hope for our world. I can tell you this. God is not watching the news shows and trembling in dread. Jesus is not watching the news shows and trembling with dread. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. He really is all in all. He is all there is. There is nothing without him. And in verse 18, it says that he is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. What does that mean, that in all things he might have the preeminence? It's simple. He has first place, the protos. He is the head. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the firstborn of the sons. He has first place. Remember, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He has preeminence. He is fullness. In Romans 8.29, we're reminded that he is the son, the firstborn among many brethren. He is first. He has preeminence. We need to make sure that we keep him first in all things. In verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. All things will be reconciled unto him because of his sacrifice. He made peace through the blood of his cross. Remember, we've said before that peace never comes without conflict. And that conflict was appeased by the blood of his cross. In verse 21, it says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Do you hear that? We were all at one time alienated and an enemy of God because of our wicked works. Scripture says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it tells us that even our good works are like filthy rags. There's nothing we can do that is good enough. But remember that if you are in Christ, you are presented holy 
unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. But this comes with an if. See, in verse 21, remember it says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And in 23, it says, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Hear that again. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. This is why Paul was able to rejoice in his sufferings. He truly understood the power of what God was doing in him. And remember that we must continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which we've heard. We too must ask God to allow us to understand the power of what he's doing in us. And God is declaring this mystery to us. He says in verse 26, Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is a great mystery, hidden from ages and generations, which now he has made manifest, he has made known, he's revealed it to his saints, to you, dear ones, those to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ is in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the manifestation of Christ, the anointed son in you. God is raising up his anointed sons. That is the hope of glory. In verse 28, it says, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Paul proclaimed Christ, and so should we, admonishing and teaching everyone around us, all of the saints, with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. In 29 it says, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Or as the NIV says, To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. God is the one who works it. We do it with his energy, which is powerfully working in us. It says we are striving according to his working, his working, which works in us mightily. God is the one who enables us. God is the one who empowers us. And I hope 
that you share with me the desire to pray for your fellow saints as God stirs us. It's more than just praying for the physical needs of the saints, just the same way that when we go before the Lord for um, our prayer times, we don't just bring our list of things that we need from him. God wants to do these deeper things in the saints around us that will bring them into that unity in Christ and the sonship that he calls us to walk in. So let me give you a quick review of a few things that we may pray. And when you get time, hopefully you'll take some more time in the book of Colossians to see what God will speak to you. But these are some of the things that were in this passage that we just read. First of all, we give thanks to God for our our fellow saints. And we pray, one, that they remain committed. We pray that they will be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We pray that they might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and that they may increase in the knowledge of God. We pray that they would be strengthened with all might, according to God's glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. We pray that they may continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Let's pray, too, that they will be perfected in Christ by the power of all His energy at work in them. I thank you so much for spending this time with me. And I bless each one of you. And now, before we finish for today, I wanted to just pray these things over you, fellow saints, and ask God that he will fulfill them in all of us, that we may go forward together and we may continue to be committed to praying his purpose and praying for his heart to be released in the places where we are established. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, I ask that you would empower your word within us. I thank you, God, for these fellow saints. I thank you for each one of them. I ask that you would draw them to yourself. And I pray, God, that they would remain committed to you. I pray, Father, that they would be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and all spiritual understanding. I pray, Lord God, that you would cause them to walk worthy of you unto all pleasing, that they would be fruitful in every good work, and they would increase in the knowledge of you. I ask you, Father, that they would be strengthened with all might, according to your glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. I pray, Father, that, that they would continue in the faith, that they would be grounded and settled, and they would not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. I pray, Lord, that they will be perfected in Christ by the power of all His energy at work in them. I thank you, Lord, that you are all in all, and that you have preeminence, and that there is nothing that can happen without you, that there is nothing without you, that all things are within you, Lord. And I ask that you would continue to strengthen and bless your church, Lord. I bless each one of these fellow saints, and I ask, God, that you would pour out into them in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, saints. 